for someone to do like back-to-back marathons or even, you know, two within a month, honestly, is not smart unless you've done many, many marathons before and you really only plan on racing one of them. Are you constantly worried about getting injured or you don't know how to get faster as a runner and you want to continue to run for stress relief, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, the only place that provides you with training tips, injury recovery, and prevention tools with actionable strategies by experts in the running industry so you can develop a stronger running body and feel confident that you can overcome any obstacle as a runner. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid runner, running physical therapist and coach, educator, founder of Spark Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you've been told to stop running with an injury or you think coaching is just for fast runners. Learn more about our signature coaching program at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Every week on the show, we coach you to grow as a runner, just like the process of building a strong, durable home that will last a lifetime requiring little maintenance. The design and planning is your mindset. The foundation is your strength training. The framing is your run plan. The electrical and plumbing is your nutrition. The insulation, drywall, and flooring is your recovery. The landscaping and exterior is your race strategy. If you master the six parts of growing as a runner, your running will be strong and last long, hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Every week, we help a runner just like you build their dream home. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Hello and happy new year. Happy 2024. If you're a runner, there's a good chance that you've been told from someone that running is bad for you. Now add 26 miles to the conversation, and this conversation probably comes up many, many times with non-runners. So is running a marathon really bad for you? In this episode, I have a great chat with fellow running physical therapist who was our guest in episode 204 on the Healthy Runner podcast in which she shared some great value on returning to running after ACL surgery to the knee. I figured this was a great topic to tackle to spark off 2024 as many of you probably have made some goals for a marathon this year or some of you aren't even thinking of doing so because you heard about all the bad things that happened to marathoners. In this episode, I actually did a ton of research in preparing for my chat with Dr. Katherine Campbell, and I may dispel some myths about running a marathon and training for that marathon. I think the biggest takeaway message that I want you to know is deciding to train and run a marathon race is a personal choice and you don't have to do one, but you shouldn't be scared to do one either. It is definitely a distance that deserves some serious respect and must be undertaken only when you have the time to dedicate to growing in the six steps to growing as a runner that we talk about often on this show. In this episode, I'm going to discuss all the following things, and so much more. Um, It was such a great conversation with Kat. Um, I talk about, is running a marathon bad? What happens to your musculoskeletal system after running a marathon? What happens to other physiologic systems when running a marathon? So we talk about lungs, we talk about the heart, we talk about the kidneys, we talk about all that. Um, Can running a marathon be bad for your mental health? How long should you take off after the marathon? How many marathons should you run per year? And how to safely return back to running after taking some time off. So be sure to download the freebie that goes along with this episode, which is our Spark Healthy Runner Marathon Blueprint. 
This marathon training guide is designed to cater to both beginner and advanced runners who are seeking to achieve their marathon goals while prioritizing longevity and minimizing the risk of injuries. This resource is filled with videos, podcast episodes, and trainings teaching you the principles of marathon mindset, base building, strength training, nutrition, gradual progression, and adequate rest and recovery, and well-rounded training to support your long-term running journey. Get your download at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash marathon. And if you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Katherine Campbell, then be sure to connect with her on her uh, her podcast, The Run With Cat Show, and on all social medias on Instagram, TikTok, her Facebook group, and her website. I will have all those links in the show notes below, but it's pretty much at runwithcat.dpt. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Katherine Campbell about the effects of running a marathon. This episode is powered by UCAN, fuel smarter during a run with the best no sugar energy gel on the market, delivering up to 75 minutes plus of steady energy to power your best running performance. If you've been listening to this podcast and you know how important it is to fuel your body for your runs, especially those long runs and races. And one of the biggest questions we get from our athletes is, what should I take with me during a run in order to get that fuel in? And our Healthy Runner coaching team and I have been using UCAN Energy Gels for all of our long runs and races since it launched over a year ago now. We recommend it to all our athletes because it's not made up of sugar, which means it's easy on the stomach, especially for those of you who haven't responded to other gels. The other thing I love about it is the consistency is not thick like its competitors, so it goes down nice and easy, especially when you're running at a hard effort or it's really hot outside. And the other thing is it tastes amazing. So my personal favorite flavor is the strawberry banana um, with pineapple finishing in a close second. However, the most important reason that we recommend it to our athletes, and I use it myself, to power my runs is because it provides that long lasting energy that we need in order to crush that long run or race. So now that you're a part of our Healthy Runner community, you will get 20% off all your orders using the special link I have in the show notes. Just go to youcan.co, that's .co, not .com, forward slash healthy runner and use the code healthy runner during checkout when placing your order to get your 20% off go ahead and give you can energy gel a try for your next long run trust me you won't regret it if you're a runner who is currently training for or have ran a marathon in the past there's probably a good chance someone has told you that running is bad for you I've heard it all before. There always seems to be that one person who is lecturing about how running 26 miles will destroy your knees or that all marathoners always get hurt. So today I have Dr. Dwayne Scotty here to discuss if running a marathon is actually bad for your body. Hi, Dwayne. Thanks so much for being here today. Oh, thanks so much for the invite. I'm excited to talk about this topic because like you said, there are a lot of misconceptions out there. So this, this is a good one. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear what you have to say. I know this was something from the very beginning of when I started this podcast that I wanted to cover because it is definitely scary um, to think about, you know, when you say 26 miles of running, um, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And for some new runners out there who maybe are signed up for a marathon, this will be a good thing to help hopefully ease their mind. Um, But I usually like to just get started with uh, knowing who, you know, we have on the podcast. And so for people to understand a little bit about who you are. So why don't you just go ahead and introduce who you are, what you do for work and how you started running? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think probably the best uh, way to do this is to really share how I got to where I am today. Um, And I couldn't sit for more than 10 minutes due to sit bone pain and ironically wound up being like the beginning of one of the lowest points of my life. And the thought of sitting in my car for my morning commute, like stressed me out, let alone being told by my doctor to stop running until my injury healed. 
I was a 31-year-old father of two little girls. I was gaining weight. I was feeling out of shape. I was getting like the dad bod. um, And I couldn't run because of an injury. And I am just like wondering if any of your listeners can kind of relate to this. Like maybe they are in a similar situation that they're trying to get out of. And this really kind of caused my trajectory to pivot um, as a physical therapist. So now I am exclusively a running physical therapist. I'm a run coach. I'm an educator. I'm the host of the Healthy Runner podcast and founder of Spark Healthy Runner. And my mission is to really preserve the health and longevity of runners everywhere by allowing them to get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. And currently, I'm truly like living out my passion, not only educating PT students at the neighboring alma mater of your school uh, here in Connecticut, but I really enjoy educating the running community and that they don't need to stop running to get over a running injury. And I really empower runners that they can maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running, not only through our signature like one-on-one coaching program, but through weekly video and podcast content that I've been consistently producing on YouTube and the Healthy Runner podcast uh, for almost four years now. And I'm passionate that like anyone can run, just like Gusto says, anyone can cook. I don't know if you know that reference in that movie, but um, they just need to like implement a smart, progressive, structured strength and run specific training to build that strong running body so we can like continue getting in the mental clearing miles that we love to do. Yes, I think that your story is something that most runners can resonate with. Either they've been told by someone that they need to stop running. And for someone like me who, you know, is right out of school a year ago, like I even dealt with this as someone who was when I was in high school and I had knee pain and I went to a physical therapist, like I was told to stop running. So it's definitely nice to be able to work with and connect with other people in the running world that are in the healthcare world and um, really care about making sure that runners can keep on running because it's sometimes hard for people out there when they have some sort of medical provider who's just telling them to stop running because they don't understand what it's like. So just based off of what you've said up to this point, For anyone listening out there probably who maybe listened and thought that there would be bad things to be said about running a marathon, it doesn't look like that will be the case. Um, So um, why don't we just get started with, is running a marathon or a long distance bad for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, So we do know that eight out of every 10 runners listening to this right now at some point will get a running related injury. So you might be thinking to yourself like, hey, maybe my mom was right or like Aunt Carol was right, you know, at the Thanksgiving dinner when she was like, you run like that's bad for your knees, right? It's going to ruin your body. You're going to get arthritis. Uh, But let's reframe the conversation a little bit. Like running has physical and mental benefits as well as builds our self-confidence. And specifically, running has been shown to decrease blood pressure, cholesterol, body weight, cancer risk, anxiety and stress, Alzheimer's disease, cardiovascular disease, diabetes risk, and it also has been shown to increase sleep, bone strength, mental function, lung function, sexual health, immune system, longevity and concentration. So not only does it do like all these amazing physical and mental benefits, but it builds self-confidence and, you know, that we can do as adults, you know, most of us, if we were competitive in our younger years, it allows us as adults to, you know, continue to do hard things, challenge ourselves. And I know for me personally, it's allowed me to show up better as a husband, a father, an educator, a business owner, right? And show up for like the running community. And one of the, you know, challenging time points in my career was actually getting my PhD with your former professor, shout out to Jay Grimes, uh, my boy. And we both went through that like together where it was working full time, families, 
and six years of like PhD work. And that was like ruling. And if I didn't have running, honestly, I don't think I would have been able to like get out of that. Right. And, and get through that. And we see that so much with so many runners out there that like never think that they could run. And, you know, they, they, find out that they can go on to like run a first half marathon or a first marathon. Um, so finally going back to your original question, no running is not bad for you. Running is literally the magic pill, right? It does all those benefits. Everyone wants like the quick fix. The quick fix is actually running, but you got to learn how to do it correctly. Yeah, that's the asterisk right there. And I think a lot of people don't. I mean, we've talked about it all the time. I'm glad that nowadays, I think that there's better conversations out there. There's podcasts like yours as well, where we're educating a lot more people than back then where the typical thing was to rest or the typical thing was to rest and then jump back into the mileage that you were once doing. So there's better information out there that I think more people are able to get a hold of that will help them. But it's definitely true. Like there are a good amount of runners who are getting injured. And I think it's hard when people get injured, they just associate that with, you know, oh, it's because you're running long distance. And that's, that's the the answer. Like it's, it's so much more complex than that. And I agree. I think that running does totally build self-confidence. And um, I remember, I mean, just in general with me, like I, I, I remember when I first started to to run more long distance and do my first half marathon. Then last year did my first marathon. And I do agree. I think it just has good carryover to your everyday life. Like being able to take those chances and do something that you thought was very hard at one point and that you never probably saw yourself doing at one point and then going ahead and doing this hard thing really carries over to other parts of your life. It makes you a better person in every single way. It helps you take chances and helps you believe that you can do anything that's hard that you set your mind to. So I, that is one of my favorite things, the self-confidence aspect of running. And I swear it's made me a, def- a different person as well. So I'm glad you mentioned that. But all the other things that you just mentioned, I mean, you just had a laundry list of things that you mentioned that are good for us as runners to be able to do and that will help us in other aspects of our body. And sometimes people just fixate over you're going to get hurt or the musculoskeletal system or the knees. And so um, let's talk a little bit about that aspect, because that is the one part of, I think, running that people get really fixated on is like that musculoskeletal system. You're going to get hurt. You're going to hurt your knees. You're going to hurt your ligaments. So let's talk about that change in terms of marathon training or even just long distance, right? We're talking half marathons, marathons. What changes can happen to the musculoskeletal system when doing something like running a marathon and afterwards? Yeah, so we do know that running a marathon uh, does cause some temporary damage at the cellular level. And I do want to emphasize the word temporary, right? It is the marathon itself is a unique combination of high workload over a long period of time. And, you know, some of the studies out there that have shown you know, for running itself is great for bones, right? So if you have osteopenia, osteoporosis, you have a history of bone issues, you know, running actually builds bone. However, they have done studies of marathoners and they do show that there is a temporary cycle of not building bone. Um, But the overall training for a marathon is healthy for the bone, unless, of course, you're overtraining and underfueling and really setting you up for maybe stress fractures, especially if you have what we call REDS or relative energy deficient syndrome. So then it's not good for your bones, right? But that's why nutrition, recovery, learning how to train correctly without overtraining is important to know. Um, Let's take the tendons, for example. And this was actually an interesting study that I just came across uh, that was published last year where they looked at those that ran the London Marathon and they looked at their Achilles tendon thickness and they did find that it actually reduced immediately after the marathon, that like the diameter of the tendon actually decreased, you know, during the duration of the marathon. But it did, after a week, go back to its like normal length and diameter. And it just really 
you know, like the authors talked about, the implications for injury prevention and recovery. And that's going to be like the overall theme of, I think, all of these effects that a marathon has on our body is going to be number one, training, and then number two, recovery. And in addition to bone, tendon, then we got muscle. So we do know that muscles are damaged, like when we run a marathon. And that is usually why you are likely very sore after your marathon. If you've ever run a marathon and you think about going down the stairs the next day or the day after that, it's like a painful process usually. And, you know, they've done many, many studies looking at like biomarkers and we do see elevated levels of anti or inflammatory markers um, that peak right after a marathon, but it usually goes for like 48 hours. Um, so that's really why we feel a lot of that soreness. Um, and we need to actually be mindful of that in how we recover from a marathon. So, you know, creatine kinase, which is like one of those like waste products, essentially of like acute muscle damage peaks 24 hours after a marathon, but then it remains elevated for six days following the race. And then it, it's really back to normal about seven to nine days after. So if you think about that, you know, there are many people who run marathons and think that it's a um, badge of honor to get back into running sooner than later. And if we, we think about like some of these studies show that you do go through some acute muscle damage and it's important to allow our bodies to actually recover. And they've actually done other studies. Um, so this topic has been very fascinating because you, you challenged me to do a little research myself. Um, and they have found that high carb intake during the marathon decreases some of that damage to the muscle. And however, like this study looked at 120 grams of carbs per hour, which is a lot. So the authors like recommended aiming for like 60 grams of carbs, which again is a lot because most gels that we take are anywhere between like 20 and 40 grams of carbs. So that's saying like you're literally taking three gels an hour. I don't know many runners that do that, right? So, you know, we usually recommend for our clients like every 30 minutes, um, but getting those carbs in is actually going to prevent some of that damage um, that happens from like the muscle standpoint. Um, so yeah, those are some of like the, the, I guess, effects on the musculoskeletal system when we run a marathon and you had mentioned injury wise before, you know, we do see that there are a lot of running related injuries related to marathon training and for doing this for a while now, you know, I, I, I will say that I do feel that most of these are preventable and are due to literally runner error. And that's why I kind of created like how we grow as a runner, including six steps. And it's not only the running, that's like one piece, but the other five steps are like mindset. And that includes goal setting, expectations, strength training, um, nutrition, recovery, and then race strategy. So you need to like optimize all of those steps in order to actually decrease, you know, we're never going to prevent injuries, right? And we're always challenging our bodies, but it will definitely prevent, you know, a lot of the injuries that we do see because it is usually runner error. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because I know you had mentioned training and recovery as big parts within that marathon that we have to think about. But one thing even as you were talking that I thought about is like, so TikTok, right? There's been a lot of like, not I don't even want to say it's a trend, but like it like people are almost like flexing as if it's cool to run a marathon without any training. A lot of people have been posting that lately. And I think back to just even some of the things that you talked about with this temporary damage at the cellular level that you talked about, the bones, the tendons, and even just running the marathon itself, right? You know, there is going to be some temporary damage. But if you do not train for such then that damage will probably be a little bit more. So that's another thing I just want to mention because, yeah, I think that in a, if we're talking about in a perfect situation of someone training, 
no, you know, there's going to be some sort of um, damage regardless. But if you were even talking about the the person that might not be training, it's going to be like even more accelerated or exponentially um, more than what you mentioned. So I just want to mention, I just want to say that because that is something that people have been doing. And then let's talk a little bit about the training and recovery, because that's definitely something as well um, that most runners will miss. Um, And I think is really important just up to the point of getting to the marathon. Um, One thing that you mentioned was just recovery um, in terms of how long it takes to recover from a marathon. And I know you mentioned some people will do the one marathon and then four to six weeks later, like they'll do Berlin, then they'll do you know, New York. Um, So I just wanted to know a little bit more about your thoughts on that um, professionally and um, how you kind of would explain that to one of your clients or if someone is listening out there and they're doing that, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. So my thoughts are, you know, it's going to be a rare scenario that I would ever recommend it for someone. And it is more of the individual who has been training almost for like ultra running. And so for those that don't know anything above a marathon, if you're doing a 50K, a 50 miler, that's what we consider ultra running. And the training is a lot different where you're used to being out there for longer durations of time and doing back-to-back long runs. And usually the efforts aren't as hard as when you're training for one single marathon race you know, if you're really looking to get a fast time, you're pushing it. And I, I could speak uh, because today, actually, I had a what we call a long run with spice and had eight miles at marathon pace in the middle of that run, which was really hard. Right. And so you you need proper recovery. But for someone to do like back to back marathons or even, you know, two within a month, honestly, it's not smart unless You've done many, many marathons before, and you really only plan on racing one of them, and you don't plan on racing the other. You're going to go out for like an easy run, essentially, for the other one. I had a client do that once where it was like the COVID year, and it was pretty much back-to-back Berlin and London when London was like in the fall, where she did that, and it was like, you know, that was her goal. She wanted like all the six majors, and it just so happened because of COVID, so she ran one of them as a easy run and like let's sightsee let's look at all the sites let's take in berlin you know like take it all in and then you know she went out and raced london but yeah i i definitely do not advise it because of you know what the research has shown that yes there are these transient changes um to not only musculoskeletal system i'm sure we'll get into a little bit more like organ stuff um yeah, you just got to be smart, right? Like if you want to do this, like I'm all about longevity and doing this for like the long run, right? Like I, like I say, I want to be like running till I'm in the box, literally, right? I'm going to be like that 80 year old on the podium at like the local road race, you know, taking first. Um, so in order to do that, we just need to be smart. And like you mentioned before with the TikTok craze of like running a marathon without training, like I don't know what badge of honor, you know, that gives you, honestly. Um you're just, yeah, you're, why, why risk it? <laughs> like, why, why risk it? And there's, if you ever went to a Disney race, that thing is like a mash unit. Like, I've never seen so many injured people because people do it because it's Disney. And a lot of people like sign up because you have to sign up literally. Like, I just, I'm actually doing it this year again. Um, I did it in 2020, right before the pandemic. Uh, my wife did her first half marathon there. And now this year, the whole family is going to actually run. And I'm going to actually do the challenge, um, the four days of running. But like I mentioned before, I'm literally not even racing any of those races. Like they're going to be at my easier effort. Um, but that race is like people sign up in March. And if they don't actually or haven't been consistently training, like, yeah, they're going to be like injured. And like, I've never seen so many ice packs after a race ever, ever in my life, uh, because people just want to like do it and they don't train correctly. So you're just really opening yourself up to more risk and, you know, not enjoying the process of actually like training and feeling confident 
Like you were able to finish this marathon feeling strong at the end and it wasn't like a walk fest and you just felt defeated because everyone's passing you, right? Like who wants that? I know I don't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's talking about purpose too. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? I think a lot of times if, if you don't know what your purpose is, like, is your purpose to run your first marathon because you've always said you wanted to do it and it's a bucket list thing and you just want to run it and you're happy with that, that's great. If your purpose is to race a marathon, you need to understand what your purpose is so that you can make sure that you are doing what you're supposed to for that purpose. And I think it's very common that people do this. Like, I even think about I'm part of all the Facebook groups, like all the running Facebook groups. I'm sure you are too. And you like cringe when you see some of the the things that people say, but like even, um, when I think about New York city marathon is in early November and then the Philly marathon is, you know, like I think the week after or like the two weeks after. And a lot of people will do that and think, okay, well my fitness level is good. like aerobically I'm there. I just ran New York. So let me run Philly too. And it's, it's going back to that purpose. Like it is not, going to be beneficial, especially you're planning on racing both of them. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I hope you are enjoying this episode and it is providing value for you. I wanted to take a brief moment to share a story of a real runner like you who is struggling with a common problem that you may be facing. Here is one of our athletes who got the guidance, support, and accountability from our Healthy Runner coaching team to get clarity and structure on the six steps to growing as a runner with personalized strength, nutrition, and run plans. I hope their story inspires you that there is hope to either get over your running injury or to continue getting faster or running longer so you can continue to get in those mental clearing miles and enjoy your running journey again. Here is their inspiring story. Hi, I'm Gigi and I live in Los Angeles, California. And thanks to Coach Dwayne and the Healthy Runner community, last month I completed the New York City Marathon. Coach Dwayne was exactly what I was looking for after I had knee surgery last year. Not only is he a doctor of physical therapy, which helped me immensely, but he's also a certified running coach and a runner himself. His advice was spot on. From the little things, which can be the big things like what shoes to wear and how to warm up properly, to fueling, which was a huge issue for me. I completed the marathon feeling strong. I never hit a wall. What wall? There was none. All of his advice was right on and I highly recommend him. I hope sharing that story inspired you and provided you some hope. If you want the one-on-one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team of experts, check out the the behind-the-scenes video tour of our signature coaching program you just heard about, including other stories from runners who are just like you and were struggling with the same sticking points before they signed up for our program. Just head to learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com to learn more and book your strategy call with me today. And so I know you had mentioned the, um, we're talking about like organs and um, just the physiological systems of running a marathon. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I know um, specifically with the kidneys, I've always heard that there is a little bit of kidney damage temporarily after a marathon. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about those systems as well in terms of what happens after running a marathon. Yeah. And there's actually been a plethora of research in like the last decade on this. There's like a lot of studies since, um, you know, 2020 that really look at, and they pretty much all come to similar conclusions in terms of like, first off, the heart does have lingering fatigue and, you know, they look at biomarkers and, you know, related to systemic inflammation are elevated after a marathon. So like troponin, C-reactive protein, which is like troponin is going to be like acute damage to the heart muscle. So like a transient, so it's just short term, right? It's temporary, but you are going to see that right after the race and it stays elevated for four days after your marathon. And then C-reactive protein, which is like an inflammatory marker that peaks at like 24 hours after your marathon, but then it's still elevated eight days after your race. So it does like 
look at lingering fatigue of heart muscle. Um, there's a bunch of studies that have looked at actually experiencing um, to the um, heart muscle itself and shows a negative impact actually to this is like getting super technical, but I was kind of like geeking out on the stuff, uh, the left diastolic function in recreational runners. So there is an impact to the heart. It's short term within a week or two, everything restores back to normal. Um, but you know, there is an effect to like your organs. And like you mentioned kidney, that's another thing. One of my colleagues actually did a bunch of these studies um, at the Hartford Marathon um, a number of years looking at acute kidney injury that really impacts our ability to filter waste. It lasts for a couple of days though. So, you know, the in like the cardiac stuff, the kidney literature, you know, the researchers are really just suggesting that, you know, running too many marathons or, you know, running a lot of marathons throughout the year and racing them could potentially, we don't know this yet, lead to chronic like kidney issues or chronic maybe heart issues. Um, and a lot of the heart stuff, it really does speak to those that already have underlying like coronary artery disease. Um, you know, that's where they found a little correlation between those that have effects to the heart. So if you are healthy, like I'm not trying to scare anyone listening to this right now. If you're healthy, you don't have coronary artery disease and, you know, you are a runner, like doing a marathon is not going to like injure your heart, injure your kidneys. And like I know for myself, because in my family history is like strong cardiac family history, strong kidney disease uh, history. So I have like made sure I've, you know, I actually met with a cardiologist just to like be sure and check, you know, that like, Hey, I'm cool to like really push efforts and like run marathons. And they were like, yeah, you are totally fine. Um, so as long as you don't have any risk factors and again, you allow your body to recover. And, you know, other things that I've actually found in some of my uh, searching here is like the lungs are affected due to fatigue. And that's why like a lot of people actually feel like um, they get like this burning sensation in their lungs because it's literally fatigue of like your diaphragm muscle and you breathing heavy and hard for a extended period of time during the marathon. So it does, you know, have this mild fatigue of like pulmonary function um, that decreases for a couple of days after the marathon. Um, and a lot of people, you know, from a GI perspective, we do see a lot of runners that get nauseous at marathons and, you know, it's hard for them to take in gels or find the right like fuel. And that's simply because all of your blood flow is going to your musculoskeletal system, your muscles, right? So you can run and it's not going to your GI system. So it's kind of like one of those protective mechanisms of our body and it, it gets hard to digest foods. So I know for myself too, like after a marathon, I definitely, it's hard to digest food for like a couple of days after I, like, I felt like literally almost like my GI system, like went to like shutdown mood. Um, so again, like all of this is just telling you that there are effects beyond the race, a half marathon, unless it's your first, or unless you can really go into the pain cave really, really good. And you push yourself to like the nth degree limits of a half marathon, you know, you might feel that way for like that day, the day after, but a marathon is like a whole different ball. Game. Like you have to respect the distance and respect, um, the marathon and all of the clients that we work with in our coaching program. Like we recommend a hard, hard seven days minimum, no running. Some people require 14 days and it all is dependent upon the person, how they're feeling, but there's no reason you should be running within seven days after a marathon, just due to all the effects that I mentioned earlier. It's like, why risk it? Like you have another 50 weeks in the year to run. Like, is it going to kill you for like not to run for one week? <laughs> right. And it, it's hard for us because we're like, so type a, a lot of us runners and we, we like the habit, right? We, we're used to getting up, getting out the door. But it, when you run a marathon, you do need to respect recovery and know that your body needs the recovery in order to actually like hit your next running goal. 
Yeah. And it's the best time to take off. Like right after a marathon, you know, you're, you're at this high, you did something that's really hard. This is the best time to take off. And I agree. I, I like same. I, I will have my clients do at least a seven day minimum of no running. Um, that's huge. And I like how you mentioned the lungs too, the fatigue, because no one ever talks about the first couple runs after running a marathon, how you just feel so like out of breath. And now I know why. Like I just, you know, I've had this conversation with people before where we talk about how it ju- you, your legs just feel so. You know, I'm talking like a week out, like over a week out of the marathon, like your legs still feel so heavy. You might not be sore anymore, but they just feel so slow. You feel like you're breathing so hard. And now I understand why. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, it, it definitely deserves the respect um, that it should that it should garner. Yeah. And then I know you talked about also the um, like the research is basically saying like you don't want to run too many marathons um, and we don't know exactly that number. But as someone who is a physical therapist, someone who is a run coach, what would you usually recommend as like the max amount of like, I guess, marathons or half marathons in a year? Because I think that's something that people need to hear as well. Yeah. So you really want to think about running in cycles and training cycles throughout the calendar year. So everyone listening to this should think of, okay, I got this three month period where I am in base building mode. This is what we call base training. I'm getting stronger for running. I'm developing that like solid aerobic capacity foundation that will allow me to be more efficient the next time I actually train for a race. So where you're not doing any races whatsoever. And then you want to think about, okay, maybe I have three other training cycles throughout the year. So it's going to be rare that I recommend um, for runners to, to run two marathons a year. You can, if you are experienced and, you know, you've run a bunch and you're like trying to get that BQ and, you know, you might run a spring and a fall. But we found, honestly, a lot more success, and depending upon where you are in the country, um, if you're in the hotter, you know, elements country, you're not running a marathon in the fall, you're doing it like more winter, but, you know, doing like a half marathon in the spring or focusing your training on shorter distances, 5K, 10K, can actually improve if you do a whole training block just focusing on improving your 5K, your 10K time. Your marathon time the following fall is going to be a lot better. So usually, honestly, we recommend one a year. There are instances that people run two. Anything more than that, I think is, again, if you're not racing them, I'm okay with that. And there is the whole like 50 state kind of thing that people have that their bucket list and they want to run a marathon in all 50 states, which I think is super cool, by the way. Um, But you can't race them all. Honestly, you, you can't. It's just like do the math, um, unless, unless we're as young as you are cat, right? Like it's, it's hard for a lot of people to hit that goal without doing like four a year. Um, so I have had, you know, clients do it, but they literally are, they're like easy runs and they're just doing it to like check off that state. Um, so focus, if you focus on one specific goal, like focus on that goal and like improve it. And then, be consistent with running throughout the year and focus on different elements of making your body stronger for running so you can get faster. Um, That's what I would recommend. Yeah, I like how you mentioned the shorter distance thing, especially because a lot of people think that in order to get faster at the marathon, you need to run more marathons. So I'm glad you mentioned that because it is true. I will recommend my clients too to do shorter distance Um, races and build their fitness that way because that will carry over to the marathon. And there's just such a big misconception that in order to get faster at the marathon, it makes sense to do more marathons. But again, as you just mentioned, we know how much your body has to go through to be able to do that distance. So realistically, to be able to race that several times and get better at that distance, you're more likely to injure yourself when you could just be stimulating it in a different way that will have better carryover when you get to that marathon training block. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, so that's an important one. I'm glad you mentioned that. And uh, now another thing, you know, we're talking about is, um, you know, running probably no more than definitely no more than two marathons a year. And talking about um, in terms of when you finish a marathon, what's going on with your body. But let's talk a little bit more about now 
well, how do we safely return to running after a marathon? And what is a safe progression? What does that look like? Because maybe there's people listening out there who didn't know any of this. And they're like, oh, wow, I'm glad that I listened to this podcast episode that now I know for when I'm training and when I finish my race this fall, that I need to be careful if I want to be doing this as long as possible. And I want to be, you know, respecting the distance. But what does that look like to come back from that? Because everyone's Every runner's favorite question is, when can I start running again? So if they have to take 7 to 14 days off, it's important to also know how to get back to where you need to be. Yeah, so you really want to think about, you know, this is your quote-unquote off-season. And this should be the lowest mileage month, the month after your marathon of your whole year, right? Because you are allowing that body to recover. So you're taking 7 to you know, 14 days off of running. And then you're getting back into it very slowly. You're not forcing anything. Definitely no, nothing above an easy run pace. So, you know, one of the biggest, you know, mistakes that we haven't mentioned yet is most people run their runs too fast and they're not running at their easy pace. But if you've mastered that concept, you have an easy pace, you're not doing a, what we call a tempo run or an interval run, or you're, you're not going a marathon pace. Like you are keeping it super easy. It should feel like a three to a four at a scale of 10 effort level wise. So it's just easy running. And usually here, you know, we like to keep it unstructured and see what the person actually feels like doing. Right. And because we want to, we want them to still be engaged in running and, you know, as your body recovers, you don't feel any muscle soreness. You feel like, okay, I'm getting back in the groove. And it all depends upon like how many days a week you were running for your marathon training. If you were doing a five-day plan, maybe I might start you week one when you go back to running with three days a week. Week two, we might, you know, or the week four, we might add in a second day of running. So you want to think about like decreasing your frequency, definitely decreasing your distance. Um, so your mileage is going to, it's, it's almost, so for a marathon, we taper down before your race. So your legs feel fresh so you can get the best effort. So we call it a reverse taper. So essentially it's like the week you did before your marathon, like, that's probably like after your recovery week of like getting back into running the first time you feel like, you know, a baby deer legs. Um, and then, you know, thinking about doing whatever mileage, let's say it was 15 miles, 20 miles, 30 miles. It, it all depends upon the level of the runner um, the week before their marathon. And then you're gradually increasing it. And then you're going into this kind of base training phase and really doubling down on more strength training. And this is where we got to periodize our training throughout the calendar year, because as you're peaking in your marathon fitness and you're doing those long runs, you're 18, if you're doing a 20 miler, like your strength training is not the main focus at that point, right? So maybe some of my clients, I'm going down to one day of strength training or one day of like a full session and then maybe 30 minutes of more of the hip stabilizers and like the run specific muscles. Um, but now... After the marathon, this is where we double down on getting stronger as runners and possibly adding, if you have time in your schedule, three days a week of strength training, because this is the best time of the year to do that. How long would you recommend after the marathon before you would let someone do speed work again? Because if they're adding, you know, doing the whole strength training aspect as they should be doing more strength training, at what point do you say, okay, like I'm okay with you doing speed work now? Yeah, so great question. And it all depends upon your definition of speed work. So in, in kind of how I think of speed work is anything that's faster than your easy pace, right? The entry level of speed work is what we call strides. And where, you know, if you think about a straightaway on a track or like two or three telephone poles in your neighborhood, you're gradually ramping up, running at a faster pace, getting the legs to turn over and gradually decreasing. Maybe you repeat for four reps, maybe you repeat for five or six, right? You're time in between each of those strides can be longer and then you could gradually decrease the time but strides don't put a stress to your cardiovascular system they just encourage leg turnover so like that would be the first thing that i would add in and i honestly wouldn't even add it in until like a full month out from the marathon and it would just be like once a week we're going to do strides after an easy run just to get some leg turnover and more with the goal and intention of running form 
to actually improve running economy and improve your form. And then the next step would be going up to what we call like a tempo or a threshold run. So I really wouldn't encourage any interval work where if you, you know, have thought about repeat 400s on a track, repeat 800s, like those are hard, hard workouts. Um, it's, it's at least two months out from like your marathon race at minimum. And again, depending upon what your next goal is. So if you are running a 5K, let's say for three or four months after the marathon, then yes, you will now inject some of that faster running. But I would definitely wait for that faster running because that's where we honestly, uh, quite frankly, see many of the injuries that occur is with the fast, fast stuff and what we call like interval pace. Um, So if people want to think about doing sprints, right, um, that's where you're going to wind up pulling your hamstring. That's where you're going to wind up tweaking your Achilles. That's where you're going to wind up, you know, getting your IT band aggravated is with that faster, faster running. So again, just making sure that you are thinking calendar year, um, different goals at different point, different focus, and make sure that you're tailoring your training to that focus and embrace like off season. And like, like, I love it. Like I, I, started out as a gym rat and wasn't a runner until I wound up having a hip scope uh, for a labral tear in my hip. And, um, you know, I embrace like getting back in the gym like three days a week and spending like an hour and a half every day in the gym because I love the gym. But, you know, for many runners, they don't. So it it is tough and you got to make sure that you, you know, like I'm sure you do um, explain the importance and the why behind it, because it's all of that stuff people don't see on Strava and, you know, fast runs that are actually the keys to you, like growing in your running journey and running a faster marathon. Um, It's all the stuff in the off season. So all the stuff that I'm doing now as I'm peaking in my marathon training for my, you know, early October race, I know I'm able to hit these paces because of what I did last December, January, February, right? And that I periodized a half marathon training block and had a really strong half marathon race. And then I recovered and then I gradually got into a marathon training cycle. So it's all the stuff uh, that you do. And And the nice thing about, you know, going about training in this fashion is it's just, it's like compound interest. Right. So every year your fitness improves and it's not like, you know, it builds upon each other if you do this the right way. And if you, you know, you learn finally, and that's why I kind of created the whole six step framework that I created is because I finally figure I I finally feel like I've mastered um, how to stay healthy as a runner and continue to get better. Um, If you if you train in that fashion, then you're going to see those elevation in fitness gains, even if you're someone like me in my mid 40s. um, And as we age, you can actually get faster, believe it or not. I mean, like you said before, it's all about that purpose again. And like it's sometimes it's really hard to lose sight over that long term purpose. But that's basically what you described is that long term purpose. And I always say it, but sometimes people don't really realize about the longevity of running as long as possible until they've been injured. And they they're like, oh, I never want to deal with this again. Um, But it goes back to that long term purpose. So and honestly, like, thinking about it long term like that and having a good structured plan is very fun. And it also talks about a little bit more like I want to talk about mental health within running and marathon training. But I think it also go hands in hand. It goes hand in hand with the fact that when you can structure your your like year like this, where you take time off, and maybe you focus a little bit more on strength, and then you're focusing on shorter distance, it just adds variety to your running just in general to hopefully decrease the chance of burnout and the likelihood that you just don't want to be doing this anymore because it's just become this thing where it's it's constantly you doing you're going 100% all the time and then never really having a time for to relax. And so I do want to talk about that mental aspect um with running. So what are your thoughts on running a marathon and the mental health aspect of it because as runners and I'm sure you know we're all type A people. And so sometimes that type A personality can really lead to um, some 
tough challenges mentally when you aren't able to run or maybe you have to take time off or you're dealing with an injury or you don't sustain the paces and you don't get the PR that you wanted. So where are your thoughts there? Yeah. And, you know, marathon running or, you know, training for a marathon can be bad for your mental health if, you know, you think it's going to cure your anxiety, depression, OCD or eating disorder, right? And like so many people say, like running is my therapy. And I've talked to many, many, you know, therapy professionals or it's like, well, that's, that's not a healthy actually approach. Um, yes, I love my mental clearing miles. And I, I say that all the time on the podcast um, because it clears my head, right? It helps deal with stress. And we know that like hitting a new, you know, PR can boost like your confidence, your motivation, like you had spoke about earlier, um, a sense of accomplishment and improve self-esteem. We, and it can boost our mental health. But if you're using it instead of actually seeking a licensed healthcare professional to treat one of those things, then signing up for a marathon and doing marathon training um, could not be beneficial to your mental health. Or if running becomes a chore, right? And adding, you know, it, it really could add more stress to your mental health. Um, maybe compromising it. Like for running, it should make you happy. It should be carefree, liberating, right? You're getting out the door. Um, and if that isn't what you're feeling training for a marathon, then it could be bad for mental health. Or if training for a marathon is not fun anymore. So, you know, you're not looking forward to that getting out the door. Yeah, we all have those days where it's like, yeah, you know, today I'm just not feeling it. And maybe you push through it. But if that's consistently happening, um, and then the other, the other two things that I see in runners is if it consumes your whole identity and you, you know, you greet people and it's like, you know, what do you do? Or who are you? Like, I'm a runner. And it's like when people associate their whole identity to running and being a marathoner, I see that problematic because oftentimes, you know, like the PRs are eventually going to stop, right? And if you've been running long enough, you will know, like I've done, I think 80 something like road races, right? Like there are going to be bad ones. And for those people that have their whole identity in running, when they get a bad one, it can be like extremely unhealthy for their mental health, right? Um, so, you know, keeping running in perspective in your life and having, you know, a focus in other areas of your life is super important. And then lastly, if you're running a marathon for all the wrong reasons, right? And the big one, honestly, that I see, and I hope I don't offend anyone listening to this because I know there's going to be people, is if weight loss is your biggest um, reason for signing up for a marathon and training for a marathon, um, that's not the right reason. And the reason I say that is because... Training for a marathon, as we've talked about, deserves a ton of respect, and there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And if your focus is actually on what the number on the scale says, most likely you're going to make those training errors I mentioned earlier about running too fast, and you're going to be under fueling, and then your body's not going to recover from the miles that you're doing. So you know, there's a lot of folks who join our program and it's like, well, yeah, I want to run marathon or do marathon training for weight loss, but, and we'll tell them straight up front and not everyone loses weight training for a marathon. Some people do, some people don't. And if you're fueling properly, like you might not. Um, so going back to your why and why are you running this marathon? Or if you're like signing up for a race, cause all your friends are doing it and it's like, you got roped in, but you don't have a strong why for training for that marathon, that's going to be problematic and it is going to add more stress to your mental health. Um, so that's why one of our buckets in our six step framework is actually mindset. And we actually cover all these things in terms of like expectations, goal setting, like making sure it's appropriate for your fitness level. What else is going on in your life? Did you just have, you know, a baby? Did you just get a new job? You know, like what other stressors do you have in your life? Because training for a marathon is a huge commitment and you need to make sure that it's not, 
you know, adding stress to your life. So I know I gave you a lot there, but, uh, yeah, I don't know no, if you have anything yeah. to add to that. No, it's all true. And I'm glad you mentioned that because the mindset is huge and specifically like what is going on in your life. I, I talk about it with people all the time of there's seasons of your life where maybe you're going to be a little bit more intense with your training. And then there's going to be other seasons of your life where that maybe you're not and you're just going to be running easy and both are fine. But I, I explain to people all the time, like I have never done a marathon up until last year because I was in PT school. And you know, PT school is tough. And so I knew the time commitment that I was able to give. And I could do a half marathon, but I could never commit to the time that a marathon would take correctly to be able to train safely and be able to, you know, spend time with me studying and all the other things that PT school required of me. And last year was the perfect time because I had graduated school and I was all I was doing was studying for the board. So having the time to run was very helpful. Um, so that's a very important. I like that you mentioned that running becomes a chore thing too, because um, that's another reason why you don't want to do several marathons in a year as well, because it can become a chore when you have to do a three hour long run and you're like, it's easy to, to almost dread that if you're doing that consistently. It's a big chunk of your day. And then the rest of the day, you don't want to do anything because you know, you have to be off your feet. And you know, you need to recover. And so then it limits you from doing the things that you might want to do with your friends or your family or plans. And, and so I think those are really important. And the whole um, running for weight loss thing is huge as well. Because I've had people who've said that to me, and I'm very adamant on making sure that they understand that realistically, if anything, you should have the expectation you might gain a little weight during marathon training because you should be eating enough to sustain that training. Um, so those are all great points and things to consider when thinking about mental health and training for a marathon. I think we covered um, a marathon specifically and whether it's good or bad for you as a whole. But I always like to ask one more question running related. And that's to all my guests of just what's one piece of advice you wish someone gave you when you first started running? Yeah, it's gonna be tough to do one. But um, I'm gonna say train in order to run that you are actually an athlete you're an adult athlete who specializes in running. So you need to train like an athlete and you need to do really the six steps that I talked about earlier in terms of running specific strength training, like thinking about the mindset and your goals, expectations, nutrition, recovery, race strategy, and then the run plan itself. And when you optimize all of those, like you're going to be able to run strong and last long. So if I had to give one, I, I guess that is what I'm going to give. As you can tell, this is really hard for me. That's why I have a podcast because I, like <laughs> I like to talk. <laughs> no, it's, it's a great one because I say, I say like, I say run happy, healthy, strong. And like if someone's listening or if people are listening to this, I have I hope that those are the types of people that are, are hoping that they could run as long as possible. Just like you said, until you're in the box. So yes. I love that. I think that's a great way to end for people to understand and realize that in order to do that, it's a process and it's a commitment. But you need to be able to um, do that commitment in order to do the thing that you love as long as possible. Um, so I wanted to give you an opportunity to also, I know you said you have the Healthy Runner podcast, which I listen to myself and love, um, but any other social media accounts or any um, way that people can reach you to be able to give your, you an opportunity to um, say that out loud and I'll put it all in the show notes as well. Yeah, well, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, and congrats on your show. I absolutely love it. So I've listened to many of your episodes and you are doing a wonderful job. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm most active on socials on Instagram. So at Spark Healthy Runner. And um, we got the Healthy Runner podcast and then have over 300 videos like exercise specific videos on the Spark Healthy Runner YouTube channel. Okay, awesome. So everyone, again, Dr. Dwayne Scotty, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this topic. I really enjoyed hearing everything you had to say. And I'm so happy that you were able to educate everyone a little bit more and have some ease on if they're running a marathon that it's not bad for them. So thank you so much again. 
Thank you for having me. And for those that are running a marathon, go and crush your races um, and keep doing it in a healthy manner. Yes. All right. I'll see everyone in the next episode. Have a great day and bye-bye. Thank you as always for listening to the Healthy Runner podcast where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. If you found this content valuable, here's five ways we can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of our six steps to growing as a runner framework at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash grow. Two, follow our Instagram page at sparkhealthyrunner. Three, join our free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash sparkhealthyrunner. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more experts in the running field and bring those lessons and trainings back here right to you. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner so you can maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Lastly, if you've been struggling with the constant injury cycle, not eating the right foods for running, or not getting faster as a runner, and you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner, head to sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash coaching to apply for a one-on-one signature coaching program. Thank you again. I really, truly mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening and sharing this podcast with a running friend who can use the help. Now go and crush your run today. See you next week.